HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. My name is Sarah Kim, and I'm from Austin, Texas. I'm a Cheeselandian because while life is great, cheese makes it better. Go to Cheeselandia.com to learn more, and if it's for you, sign up. This week on Meet and 3, we head into the second part of our mini-series on global trade, where we talk about all things sweet, from chocolate and sugarcane to the cultural festival that accompanied the growth of the date industry in the U.S., they're using this romance and fantasy to say dates are exotic and you should consume them. I'd like to think of the food that we eat as archaeological artifacts in part because the history of humanity is in the stands in your produce market. It's not like other foods. We have very like personal feelings about chocolate. Tune in to Meat and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you get your podcasts. So on this episode of Soul by Todd Richards, I really wanted to welcome uh, a really great guy. I mean, when I say great, this this dude can cook. Uh, he's personable. Um, I've seen his IG. I, I'm jealous by all the food that he cooks. Uh, one of the young lions that are coming up, and he's out of Miami. And 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 anyone has followed the podcast thus far, we've had a lot of people from Atlanta, Chicago, and even New York come in, but no one from Miami yet. So this is going to be a first. His full name is uh, Cleophas, but he goes by Chef Ophis. And Chef Ophis, welcome to Soul by Todd Richards. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, I appreciate you having me, Chef. Um, been looking forward to it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah, so um, what's going on down in Miami, you know, uh, in this COVID environment, first of all? And I just want to give the listeners a great understanding of where we're at. We're, we're uh, after the election, so Biden is in office, and you and I are talking right now, and we're talking about uh, COVID to begin with. And I know you were in Atlanta for a while, but you went back home to Miami. What's happening down in Miami right now? Um, I mean, I would say Miami is just as open as Atlanta is right now. Um, you know, restaurants are starting to slowly open. I mean, well, not slowly. They're really opening back up at um, um, whether they're current establishments or they're new restaurants. Um, you know, right now I've been working and helping out at a new restaurant opening down here for the last uh, couple of weeks. Um, you know, people are out and about just... You know, I won't say everybody's out like they used to be, but, um, you know, it's definitely a, a good crowd um, of people frequenting this restaurant since it is um, a pretty popular establishment. 
Right. So, um, I mean, how is it, though? I mean, I know the sun is out, uh, you know, convertibles are there. Everyone wants to be balling down there. Uh, what is the life, uh, you know, the nightlife like? Is it still like Miami, like everyone wants to go down there? Or is it, you know, tamed down just a little bit? Um, I mean, I definitely think that, you know, because everybody hasn't been able to take their usual trips out of the country because of all all the um, the sanctions or the travel bans that's been in place that like, you know, people have been coming to South Florida for a while, you know, and it's crazy to see the amount of people that's on the beaches and even just walking around in certain areas like Wynwood and Brickell because it's, you know, you're like still like, wow, it's it's a pandemic. And, you know, but, but, for but, me... But Miami didn't get the notice, right? <laughs> nah, nah. I mean, it doesn't seem like it, you know, because it's it's been nonstop, you know, like there was a little break here and there, like, you know, of course, like around May and, and, and June, but like ever since like all these curfews and these bans have been lifted, restaurants have been open, people are out eating, drinking on the beaches, just having fun, like, and it's, it's been nonstop. Um, and for myself, like, you know, I, I go to work and I go home. You know, I'm just trying to keep safe and healthy as possible, you know? <laughs> right. I, I definitely yeah. uh, can understand being safe. You know, I, you know, I had COVID in, in March of uh, 2020 and it took about six months to recover from it. So, you know, I try to tell everyone to be safe. But uh, it seems like Miami um, said, damn, being safe, let's open and have a good time uh, in that same Miami style. So it's good that you're uh, still safe down there and, and still still cooking. Uh, but, you know, let's get a little background to uh, people, you know, who may not be totally uh, familiar with, with who you are. Where, where did you start cooking? Um, I mean, my first job was uh, cooking at Yardbird um, Southern Table and Bar back in, like, I just started. I've only been cooking now ten years, almost eleven years, mm-hmm. um, and that was that was my first job back here in Miami, and that was what two thousand ten. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I always tell people interviews or just and you know whatever like that that restaurant set the foundation for my cooking career um, because I I learned so much because I didn't go to culinary school. Um, well, neither did I. So, so don't worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and I'm not the hugest, biggest proponent for culinary school either, um, because, you know, it, it's, it's expensive. Um, but, you know, I started cooking there. And from there, like, you know, I, I, I left there. I went to work at the Cypress Room, which is, you know, it's now closed, but it was a restaurant, like super fine dining that Michael Swartz that was opening down here. Um, you know, and I worked there for about a year and, you know, eventually was my first transition to Atlanta. And I moved up to Atlanta and worked at the Optimist for about two years, a part of the opening team there um, as a cook. Um, you know, and eventually after two years at the Optimist, um, I, you know, I went up to New York. I worked at John George for about a good eight months, um, the, you know, his three Michelin restaurant. And then you know, from there, I made my way back home to Miami. And, you know, I've just been in and around Miami, you know, from like, that was like 15 up until about 18. Right. Um, when when I migrated back to Atlanta again. Um, and, 
you know, so I well, just, you can't I, you can't stay away from the A. I mean, I mean, you can't stay away from ATL. Most people can't. I just I'm just asking you, like, <laughs> like how how would you leave Miami uh, to come to a, to Atlanta? But you know, we won't we won't we won't uh, <laughs> go we won't go too far in it. I came for Freaknik, so I have no problem saying. Oh that. Wow. Wow. Party, so I'm showing my age too. You know, in in saying that. But let's talk about Yardbird right quick, because it's one of the most iconic restaurants, you know, in the United States, probably worldwide. I would I would say most people would know um, Yardbird worldwide. Uh, you know, what was it like just, you know, working in that kitchen for the first time, it being your first job, uh, understanding that some of the food that they're cooking, you know, could be something that you might have learned from your grandmother or someone else. And they're making it popular. What was it really like being in that kitchen for the first time? Um, It was very intimidating. Like for me, like I, I, I was scared <laughs> um, because here it is. I'm, you know, like I did five years in the Navy at high school. And then from the Navy after 2005, I went to college, worked in public health for about eight years. And then I, I hopped into cooking, not having any semblance or idea what it took to work in the culinary industry. And at that time, like, Yardbird had a kitchen full of rock stars. Like, like every cook, sous chef, you know, they're they awesome. And, you know, again, like I said, I credit a lot of the people I worked with back then with just, like, what who I've become now as a cook and, you know, as a chef. And, you know, learning, learning just how we applied all these French techniques and cooking skills to, like you said, like, food that I grew up eating or that was similar to a lot of food I grew up eating, you know, from my grandmother and my mom and my aunts and uncles. So getting that understanding that like, I can take these techniques that I'm learning and apply it to, to some of, you know, the foods that I grew up eating was like, kind of like mind blowing to me at the time. Absolutely. And, and then at the same time, it was just, it was, it was, uh, it opened my mind up because I remember, you know, because we used to have to do overnight prep because we were just so busy. And the, the, <laughs> wow, original, crazy. the original kitchen is so small. It's basically a line kitchen. It's a front line, a back line. So we had to do mm -hmm. overnight prep. And I just remember, like, walking into work run, uh, one night and they're telling me, like, oh, we got nominated for James Beard. And I'm like, what the hell is a James Beard? You know? <laughs> All right. <laughs> that, I mean, but that's just how much clue... I didn't have about what I was getting into as I jumped head first into cooking. Um, so it, it, it was quite a eye-opening experience. You know, I worked with them for, for about two years and, you know, I sucked as much knowledge and, and skill as I can out of that place. And, you know, they almost essentially ran me out of there because I used to always spend so much time in there and, <laughs> You know, my chef eventually told me, it's like, you know, you, you, you gotta, you know, gotta let the birds you gotta out spread of your wings, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, that's eventually. Well, then, you know, that did. any chef that doesn't do that, you know, any chef that doesn't do that for their cooks uh, is very selfish, in my opinion. You know, like I always tell my cooks after a while, you know, two years, you gotta go. You can always come back, but you just can't stay here. You know, it's, it's really, you know, <laughs> yeah, come you back know? and eat. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. and. 
Or come back and cook, you know? I mean, a lot of people who are in my kitchen have been with me off and on for a long time, but it's really, you know, the responsibility of any great chef to make sure that the cooks have a, a long life and a long journey in this in this business, which we all found, found difficult uh, to, to navigate through as, as youngsters coming up. But let me, let me ask you this one more question about Yarver. You know, how is it um, in comparison when you think about, you know, the food that, you know, you cooked at home with your grandmother and your, and your uncles and everything like that? And then you see $36 fried chicken on the plate. And I'm not knocking them because I believe that, you know, fried chicken is one of the hardest techniques to, to perfect. And it, and it damn sure, you know, commands a, a hefty price when it's done right. But just, you know, as a young cook seeing that, you know, how did you uh, rationale the, the life of cooking $36 fried chicken? Um, at the time, I couldn't even fathom it. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> I was like, what are y'all doing? All right. <laughs> you, you know, like... Um, like no one in your family could come eat, right? <laughs> I mean, I mm-hmm. I suffice to say that, like, um, we used to take bets about the amount of Black people that would come into your building and eat. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> because it, it was, you know, we... I mean, I mean, I was, like, the only Black person in the kitchen at the time, but, like... You know, that was always like my ongoing theory is just like, this is not approachable. But now that's, I mean, that's completely changed now to compare to what Yardbird is if you walk into one. But right. Um, right. at the time, yeah, it it was like, I was, I was, I was confused, you know, um, from everything that I understood of what people thought and felt about soul food. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know that it can be priced at this point. I didn't know it could be like made to feel and look so good, so to speak, you know, Um, because the way we, you know, the way we cook now is, is, you know, you want to bring some type of creativity and artistic value to it that almost, you know, creates that, that idea and that, that thought process um, in people's mind that they're getting, you know, what they, you know, they're spending their worth. But you know, I mean, the cocktail program was always, you know, you know, a, a on point. The wine pro wine list. I mean, I've eaten there, you know, a few times. So I'm not, I'm not knocking them for what they do. I love exactly what they do because when I open up my own fried chicken place, I, I immediately, you know, thought to to bring the prices up. But you know, I want to pivot just a little bit and then, you know, going out of that kitchen and we'll skip the Optimus. We'll come back to that. But you know, going to Gene George, you know, from a place where you're cooking. Uh, traditional Southern food, maybe, or more modern Southern food, even soul food, in a sense, to going into a three uh, Michelin star restaurant. What was the, the? Was there a lot of similarities? You think, or, or were there just structural differences in working in that kitchen? Oh, it was complete structural difference. <laughs> like, I mean, I thought you would say that. Um, it, it, it's it, it's it's. I mean, one thing I learned with working with John George Group is the meticulously consistency of every little thing like you know every recipe is 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 written exactly the same it's procedures and steps have to be followed from one step to the next before you finally even get down to step four and you can't Mm -hmm. do one before you do three um you know and and just that it brought i always say it rounded out my edges um, but it also it, it it also made me realize a lot of things that like I enjoy about this industry, and it it, it helped define me mm-hmm. even more as a chef, or I'm not even say as chef, but as a cook. 
um, because it challenged it challenged parts of me that like I didn't even know that like I even had yet, you know. Let, let me let me ask uh, what, what what station did you start with? I mean, I, I, I'm curious. I'm sure listeners are going to be curious as well. What station did you start with in that kitchen, or maybe give a little even background of, of the number of stations uh, in that kitchen? Um, I started on pantry, um, just like you know, originally just really picking herbs and being a backup for the chef de partie. Um, and that's all I did for almost like three or four months. Wow. Just like, like, you know, picking herbs, doing knife cuts, making sure the chef de parties were ready and set. And, you know, there were about, I think, seven different stations in there at the time. Wow. I mean, and that's typical in a brigade system, but to think of, I just want to make sure that listeners understand this. So in the brigade system, you know, you have the executive chef, chef de cuisine, you have sous chefs, then you have chef de parties who are basically lead line cooks for, you know, in general terms. And then you go down to having cooks and then you have, you know, backup cooks or commis, you know, who actually support the chef de parties on their station. And you're saying that your first three to four months was actually just in support of the person that's cooking, not actually doing cooking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and like I said, that's where it, the challenging part came in because, you know, you you've worked in three pretty, pretty great kitchens prior to coming there. And you you think you're you've already arrived to an to an extent. So like for me, it was it was a bit of a, you know, a humbling experience going there and just um, having to like shrink my maybe well grown ego back to just being a support for someone else who's even better than I am already, even though I think I was halfway decent at the time. Well, that makes sense, though. I mean, you just left a, you know, James Beard nominated restaurant. You you went to, you were at the Optimist before you went to Jean-Georges. Is that, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, mean, just going to Optimus first, you know, with Ford Fry, you know, who's a local Atlanta restaurateur and then going there. I mean, you would think that you were hot shit already, you know? So, I mean, but essentially, like, my first three, well, technically my first four restaurants, because 50 Eggs, uh, which owns Yardbird, they um, they opened Kong River House. And mm-hmm. I helped open up Kong River House. So you had Yardbird and Kong River House basically in the first two and a half years of that company, that restaurant group opening, had been nominated for James Beard's. And then I went to the Cypress Room, which was by, you know, Chef Michael Swartz, who himself wanted James Beard for Michael's Genuine. Um, we got nominated for best. I mean, we were on that best new restaurant list with Bon Appetit and, and Optimus that year. And so it was just like in succession, all these four great restaurants that I worked at and like literally like my first four and a half years of cooking. And then, like I said, going to John George and realizing like, no, you have not arrived yet. Son. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it was, like I said, it, it was a humbling experience. Um, it, it, it definitely, it definitely um, took me back. It, it knocked me down a, a couple steps. And, um, but, you know, they built me back up at the same time, too. Well, we're going to take a quick break right now. Uh, we're going to come back with Chef Ophis. Uh, you're listening to Soul by Todd Richards. My name is Sarah Kim, and I'm from Austin, Texas. 
I'm a Cheeselandian because while life is great, cheese makes it better. Wisconsin cheese has proven time and time again to be a delicious expression of craft, hard work, and tradition. As a Cheeselandian, I'm able to share a Gouda experience with fellow cheese and food lovers nationwide, as well as connect with cheese producers and cheesemongers, taking my love of cheese to another level. I invite you to join Cheeselandia because during these difficult times, it has been even more important to take it easy and get cheesy. The Cheeselandia community and events have been the glue helping to keep us together and connected, and I would love it if you would join me. And let's face it, if you hear the word cheese and get a little hungry, then you've found a place you can call home. To find out more about Cheeselandia, go to cheeselandia.com. So we're back uh, on Soul by Todd Richards. What a great chef, Chef Ophis, who, you know, who has been with Jean George. He's been at Yarbird. He's been at Optimist, one of the best restaurants, I think, still in Atlanta. And, you know, previously we were talking about him leaving uh, this group where he worked under three, you know, well, two James Beard nominated restaurants, another nominated restaurant, and then went to Jean George and was really working just uh, basically in the pantry station. And I, I really want to, to get an understanding is that in working in a three Michelin star restaurant, uh, James Beard uh, award winning restaurants, what is your cooking style that came out of working in all these type of restaurants? Um, well, at the time, like my food was very Eurocentric focused. Um, I love and I gravitated towards just uh, the Mediterranean and the south of Italy at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what I just enjoyed and loved cooking. Um, it, 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 being able to, I, when I left those restaurants, I almost, I took everything that I learned and, you know, brought a bit of simplicity back to like how I cooked in a sense. Like it wasn't as strategical. It wasn't as, um, calculated. It was just more of a, a free-flowing style that you tend to see in, you know, in the Mediterranean and, you know, the south of Italy. They just... And, and, and what, year, what year was this? I just want to make sure that we have a good reference point. What year, what year is this that you're talking about when you started really developing this type of cooking style? Um, this was like around 2015, 16. Okay. Yeah, so five, six, six years ago. That, that's uh, okay. That's great understanding. Yeah, and, and, and for me, it was... It was what I was enjoying doing at the time. Like I, I got the opportunity because John George, they were just opening up a restaurant. I mean, they were opening up several outlets and a new hotel that was opening in Miami Beach. So that's even how I ended up back home in Miami because they opened up the Matador Room um, Market and the Tropical Outlets inside the the Addition Hotel. And, you know, that brought me back home to Miami and, and working there and just continuing to expound on the, you know, the skills and the knowledge that I had just picked up from being in New York at, you know, at his flagship restaurant. Um, so it, 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 it was quite an experience. And, you know, in totality, I, you know, I worked under, you know, that umbrella for about, you know, two, two years, two and a half years or so. Wow. I mean, that experience alone is just so, so fascinating. I mean, to, to have that. Uh, and I, I believe that, that, you know, I know your background, but just to have listeners to understand that here he is, we're talking to African-American chef from Miami, a Navy guy who, you know, is self-taught. And 
went to, you know, three James Beard restaurants, one uh, three-star Michelin restaurants, and came back to Miami. I, I, I want, because um, I don't want to run out of time and not talking about this, but I really want to talk about your pop-ups because uh, I became a big fan of yours just in watching your IG uh, pop-ups and what what really brought you to doing pop-ups? Because I, I believe you started doing them at a time before pop-ups were really just even popular in, in, in the lore of American food ways. What made you really start doing pop-ups? Um, just wanted to, um, so I mean, before I get to the pop-ups, like what what really started me even finding my current identity as in cooking, mm-hmm. You know, I just now tell people I just cook black people food, but, you know, to be more exact, you know, food of pan-African cuisine or of the African diasporic foodways um, was I saw Mind of a Chef season two with Sean Brock. Mm. In episode eight, he traced some of the food that he grew up eating in the foothills of Virginia back to Senegal. Mm -hmm. And I remember watching that and being like, what the hell? Like I'm here. I am a black young man cooking, living in Atlanta at the time um, when that season came out, and I was just like, I don't know jack about the history of my ancestors and the foodways that we we have lived upon, and you know, and from that point on, like it just drove me to um, start just digging in and and researching, traveling, and just digesting, watching YouTube, buying countless books, um, and just trying to get a better understanding of my ancestors and the food that we have currently evolved into, which isn't so, what so, we are. So let, let, let's just pause right there, because this is great, great conversation to, to have here. Uh, because in full disclosure, Sean is a, is a great friend of mine. Uh, uh, our probably, I would say our livers are probably even better friends as much whiskey we used to drink together, uh, <laughs> you know. But, uh, you know, just, you know, looking at someone like that who went back to Senegal and started, you know, understanding these dishes and you saying that you were just blown away that he, you know, found uh, ways back to Africa and and you didn't. But also you were at Yardbird and you were cooking food of our ancestors and it didn't necessarily resonate with the, the diners who came into there. Uh, and then you started doing these pop-ups. Did you have a different audience or did you have an audience that didn't necessarily come to Yardbird uh, at your pop-ups more than uh, before as necessarily the clientele at a Yardbird or a Jean George or even Optimus? Um, I mean, I had, I actually, when I first started doing it, it was actually more of, you know, it was, people of Caucasian persuasion, and it was more of the Latin crowd. Um, black people weren't really um, jiving with me, you know? I, I you know, that, that's just trying to put it nicely. <laughs> um, just because they were they were built out of a tasting menu style. They were built out of a coursed-out meal style. Um, I was using words that wasn't quite approachable to to our demographic, you know, my 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 cousins, my friends, you know, their friends and friends demographics. So at the, at the beginning, like when I, you know, cause originally like I had all sorts of names before I eventually became, you know, became Ebby, Ebby's Chop Bar. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in the beginning I started working with Dinner Lab. That's how I really, like I started, I did two or so on my own, um, very low key. And then I, I, 
I would say I was like kind of that second wave of chefs behind Kwame who started working with Dinner Lab, but came in like right before they, you know, declared bankruptcy. Right. So give listeners just a, a background. Dinner Lab was a, a corporate uh, type of, of pop-up restaurant that was really, you know, almost countrywide. And they took um, the pop-up culture and really expanded it even more. Go, go, go ahead, Chef. Yeah. So um, Dinner Lab basically helped me um, cultivate how to efficiently run uh, a pop-up dinner. And, you know, once I, you know, they went out of business, I just took what I learned from them and expounded upon it. You know, I, you know, just started, you know, and for me doing the pop-ups was my ability to get out my creative voice. But not only that, it was a lot about just being educational and mm-hmm. and digging into the history because I, you know, just in general, I love history. So being able to digest all the history of things that I am like extremely passionate about, which is just like, you know, the culture of, you know, the African-Americans and, and, and African diaspora is, was like a joyous occasion to me. So mm. like, um, you know, I would do six, eight, 10, 12 course dinners. And like in each course was paired with a wine. It was paired with a spirit or cocktail that, um, you know, would, would, that we would create, um, you know, and in, in, in between each course was always an explanation. It was always a reason for the conceptualization of this dish or why we use this ingredients, you know, why we chose to interpret it this way. Let's, let's, um, I just want to give reference point too. So your sixth course menu started at what? I mean, it was what, 7,500? How much was it for your sixth course menu? Um, Six courses we started out at back then it was about like eighty bucks. Okay, um, and then you went all up to twelve courses. Wait, eighty bucks. So did that include beverage or or? No? Yeah, yeah, that so includes. It, man, that's a value already. <laughs> you know, I yeah. Mean, I mean, you get yeah. six courses of beverage. I mean, that's eighty dollars in most places by by itself. And then the twelve courses, how many? Um, how twelve courses. We got up to about one fifty. I mean, that's still with including beverage. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was a still, it was a still. Wow. And, and what year? What year did you really uh, gain popularity uh, with the pop ups? Um, two thousand seventeen. Yeah, that's why. That's why I, I, I thought I was. I want to make sure that my uh, my crack uh, research team, uh, meaning myself, was absolutely correct in thinking it was about two thousand seventeen. Uh, yeah, that's sure Yep. That's that's about the time like I, I think we we first connected on like uh, social media and yeah um, that's correct yeah so um, yeah I, I and, just and, you know and what about that team though you had a team though that that really worked with you uh, why, why did you have this team uh, of people that I mean you had all types of chefs coming in uh, doing these pop-ups with you uh, why did you you know choose these chefs and, and what we were really trying to accomplish besides just serving delicious food I think there's an educational piece that you all were trying to touch on as well yeah so I mean a lot of these guys were um, they were guys who I had worked with um, or you know people who had just hit me up on social media who had saw what I was doing and for me, it was always because what I've even found just in a lot of black chefs, um, you know, we all don't get the same opportunity to go work in these higher end kitchens. And for me, it was always about, um, you know, not just 
opening their minds of creativity on the cuisine that we all have eaten, but also just giving them a little bit more exposure to how we can be just as creative with our food that we grew up eating and just as much as the food that we're cooking every day in these restaurants or hotels. Um, so I, I always try to, you know, get my homeboys uh, that, that I've cooked with in the past and <laughs> right. the present, um, you know, and at the same time, they were guys who I trusted. Like, I know no matter what, like if I had to go run to the grocery store as we were prepping the day before, that mm-hmm. they were going to take just as much pride as in, you know, when when we did braised rabbit, pulling that meat and making sure those tiny bones that break off and those fragile from the fragile bones of a rabbit um, right. are not in that meat, you know? So it, it, it was little things like that that also played a part in it because, you know, like they took pride in my success just as much as I, you know, I took pride as in, you know, having them there. And, isn't, that um, a, isn't that just a central role, though, of a chef to, to, to take pride... Uh, in the staff and and, and to ensure that the staff is taking pride in you? Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, if you you, you got, you know, in the same sense, you got happy chefs, happy cooks, you got happy and great food, you know, which means you got happy guests. Um, And for me, like, it's it's always important just to, like, I love teaching in a sense because I come from a family of educators at the same time. So for me, it's, it's always important not just to, you know, harness the knowledge or hog all the knowledge um, to myself, but to, you know, share the wealth, you know, like, even if it's just, even if it's just with my, you know, guests, like you go touch a table, like I'm nine times out of 10, like I'm breaking into song or story about like why this dish is on this menu and why you need to enjoy it and appreciate it that much more. Because um, for me, like, it's always a story to be told, you know, in food, you know, and it's just, you know, finding I out how a story to... to be told in food, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, um... so let's let's talk about, you know, right now in 2020, 2021. And I'm, you know, still uh, amazed by, you know, the, the path that you took. It, it's similar to mine um, in the sense of the kitchens that I worked in. But... Also, I think you have a lot more adventurous uh, and going out on your own. You probably struck out on your own a little bit earlier than than I did. Uh, do you think pop ups are going to come back in this climate of COVID? Even though you know the vaccines are coming out and things like that, do you believe that um, that they will be something that will return back to the mainstream dining scene? Um, yeah, I definitely do. But I, I think even as myself, I've, as I think about moving forward and trying to do more pop ups, it's like. I know I have to re-image um, how I do my dinners, you know? Like, I probably won't be doing tasting menus. It'll probably be more of an a la carte or family meal style thing. But, but why, is that, why is that, though? Because I'm, I, I'm, I know that you're known for tasting menus, but now you're saying that you might even pivot to a, a different style of, of service. Why, why do you think that's so important to do? Um, because I, I, I want to be accommodating and approachable to everyone, you know, like to me, it's important to get get my voice or my my canvas across to as many people as possible, you know, just to understand that, like, you know, there, you know, at the end of the day, like, again, I'm going to say it's like it's more to this food of the African diaspora than what you think it is. 
you know. Um, I think that's a great, great, great. Um, but but let me ask you ask you this, and, and we only got a couple more minutes here. But I just want to explore this just a little bit more. Um, in the food of the diaspora, um, that a lot of the foods that we've been known for throughout the diaspora have been in tasting menu format. They might have been more big you know, plates, or they might be more family style, but it still seems that there was a lot of courses of food that came out of the diaspora. Do you think that we're uh, missing that type of understanding in American food culture? Um, you mean of, of course, style tasting menu style dinners? Well, I just um, saying, I'm just saying that, that we have, you know, you know, we have plenty of places that do them, but I don't think that there's necessarily an understanding from the African standpoint, or even from the Caribbean or other points of, of African diaspora, where there was a lot of courses, but there was probably a lot more food being served in those courses than just having uh, just one meal, just where we all sit down in reminiscing of uh, Thanksgiving. Oh no, I agree with that one hundred percent. Because like, I mean, I've I've visited Africa, and like, you go, um, you go down and sit down for dinner in in someone's village or someone's house, um, and you know they welcome guests with full open arms, and it's just like you think you're done, and there's like two more dishes <laughs> right. coming out. So, you know, f- you know, food represents you know a lot to and gratitude and hospitality. So like. You know, that experience of dining on multiple dishes at a time, like even just like, you know, the typical Sunday dinner here in America, it's it's not just about like, you know, your mashed potatoes, meatloaf and sweet peas. It's like it's mac and cheese, it's roast, it's 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 turkey legs and and your roasted chickens. Yeah. And you, you might have a little small salad over somewhere, but like that's that's. That's just for auntie who, you know, <laughs> talking about she's on a diet right now. So, right. but eggs um, to start, maybe some cornbread, you know, in between. But, you know, basically, you know, there we only got about a minute or so left here. And I just wanted to um, just find out what are you doing now? I mean, I know that you have the uh, your spice company, Triangular Traded Spices. Um, you're looking forward to come back to Atlanta and full disclosure to everyone, uh, you know, that I am trying to recruit this gentleman to come open a new restaurant that we're working on here in Atlanta, <laughs> you know, so, so giving him an opportunity of basically doing his interview for the job right now, uh, you know, while we're oh, on. Wow, you know, I didn't on, know that. <laughs> no, no, I'm just joking. I, I wouldn't do that. Oh, yes, I would. You know, I just, I, I'm just that type of person, but uh, well, it just ready. saved me time, you know, but I mean, really, what are you looking forward to, um, to round out 2021? Um, I mean, 2021 is just like, I'm, I honestly, like I had a very hard 2020 and end of 2019, um, just from being in a car accident and losing multiple, multiple family members that like, I, I'm, I'm just looking just to, to find stability and continue to, um, grow as 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 a as a person as a man as a cook as a chef um and you know find ways to even just contribute more to the food and beverage industry and even just as and contributing to to you know giving back to charities and events because you know um you know i i launched a spice business um you know back in november you know like i said it's it's called triangle traded spices you know, and my, um, you know, even my tagline for that is just, I wanted to create 
you know, it, I say I want to create spices and sauces that emulate the diversity of the world. And that's just like how I, I approach, you know, life and food is just like, I want to create things that's emulating the connections that we all have throughout the world. And, you know, and going into 2021, and that's, that's really my goal is just to, mm-hmm. to build connections and, and continue to create and, and support, you know, my community, you know, um, wherever that may be at. Absolutely. Where can um, everyone find you on social media? Um, so my Instagram itself is um, Chef Opus. So that's C-H-E-F-O-P-H-U-S. Um, also, if you want to take an opportunity to purchase some of my spices, like I said, I started off with um, five spice blends. Um, you could head over to um, ttspices.com. Um, also, you know, I'm throwing out there um, uh, a fifteen percent discount code, which is um, it's um, too much soul. That's the number two, you know, M U C H um, S O U L. And do you, you, do you have that trademark, too much soul? Do you have that trademark? I, I might steal that. I, I, I like that. So, uh, <laughs> no, no, know. that that that's 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 a discount code that um, I created uh, specifically just for um, the podcast for any user that um listens to the podcast, you know, head over there, purchase some spices and um, get 15, 15% off. That, that, that is a, a very generous of you. And that generous spirit uh, is something that I know you gotten from the ancestors and I totally appreciate it. And again, I am, um, thank you uh, for joining me here on Soul by Todd Richards, uh, breaking away from the Miami uh, lifestyle that's happening down there. <laughs> Um, uh, post, you know, <laughs> in COVID, uh, which seems to be uh, still open for business. And uh, we uh, welcome having you come back to Atlanta uh, really soon. And uh, thank you again, Chef Hofus. Well, thank you, Chef. I greatly appreciate the opportunity. I really do. Uh, you're listening to Soul by Todd Richards. Soul by Todd Richards is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of Food World's most innovative community? Subscribe to shows you like, tell your friends, and please... Join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.